0: Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Curtis. What follows is an interview I had on June 23, 2014 with Charles Adler of CJOB Radio of Winnipeg, Canada, where we discuss the latest developments in the search for Malaysia Airlines flight MH370.
1: He calls it like he sees it. This is Charles Adler on Winnipeg's news and information leader, 680 CJOB. Sometimes you say to yourself, I wonder I wonder if OB has a, an update of the story that they were following, the whole world was following a few months ago. Well, we do. Everybody was talking about the Malaysia Airlines plane, the mi- missing plane, flight MH370. And the chief suspect at the very beginning was the pilot. Well, here's the update months later. Zahari Ahmad Shah, 53 years old, was the pilot of flight MH370 when it disappeared during a journey between Kuala Lumpur and Beijing, March 8th. Malaysian authorities discovered the married father of three appeared to have made no future work or social plans, in contrast to the rest of the crew. Police also found he had programmed a flight simulator to rehearse a journey over the Indian Ocean landing on an island with a short runway. And so at this point, let's go back to the beginning. Todd Curtis was our expert back then, back in March. He's formerly with Boeing and the US Air Force, an expert in his field. Todd Curtis, I can't remember exactly where you stood at the beginning with respect to the pilot, so why don't we just circle back here. Take us back to what your thoughts were at the time as far as this guy possibly being a suspect and how your thinking may have evolved since then.
0: Well, my thinking really hasn't evolved since the first few days because what we had was a situation where there was very, very little uh, clear evidence, very uh, little objective evidence. And what was there suggested four general scenarios that may have involved the pilot, but absent anything more specific, you really can't go beyond that, or at least I can't. And uh, one of those scenarios was some sort of hijacking that involved a crew member uh, deliberately taking over the aircraft. A second one involved a hijacking where someone other than the crew member took over. A third scenario was a massive set of system failures that led the aircraft to, to fly astray. And the fourth is really related to maybe one or two of the others. If the pilots were either incapacitated or unable to make any inputs to the aircraft, it would have probably flown on its last program route until it ran out of gas.
1: You think it's just a coincidence that uh, he had uh, this business on the simulator about having a journey in the Indian Ocean and landing on an island? you think this was just, uh, just a fantasy of his that really shouldn't uh, take up too much of our thinking time?
0: Well, the overall situation of him having essentially a a simulated uh, cockpit in his home to practice in his own time—that's something that's not something that's not something every pilot does. But it's not unusual given that he is a professional pilot or was a professional pilot. This is what he does for a living, and he is probably putting into his computer scenarios that he might actually have to do in real life.
1: What about uh, the business of them? doing as much as they can, the the investigators, uh, to figure out whether or not the crew had any plans for the future, however you want to define that, and with him they just they just came up empty, so they're, they're coming uh, to, to the conclusion that the reason he had no plans for a future in Malaysia is because he wasn't going to be in Malaysia.
0: Well, the fact that he didn't have any uh, plans for the future may not be that abnormal, because when I read that account, I said to myself, how many people do I know even working professionals with advanced degrees and stellar careers, don't really uh, uh, plan for the future in a sense of putting out a plan saying, well, in six months I'll do this, I'll have this uh, job change." He could have been in a phase in his life where he was quite content. He knew he was going to be a pilot probably until retirement. There was probably possibly no need to make any specific plans for the future. Uh, But again, the Malaysian authorities haven't exactly been transparent. I'm not sure what they mean by he made no plans for the future. Uh, Again, without them giving you some more information, it's really hard hard for me to say if that's important or not.
1: Now, sometimes people get the impression when um, a company really doesn't know why something happened, that they end up going to the default position, and that is pilot error. It was... His fault. Do you think that's what's happening right here? They are so confused uh, by the lack of specific evidence that they've decided to just make him the fall guy.
0: Well, it's really hard for me to say what's going on here, because clearly the Malaysian government, Malaysia Airlines, is under intense pressure to come up with some sort of answer as to what happened. And uh, one of the realities of the situation is whether or not this aircraft is recovered, there will be some sort of investigation. And at this point, if all they had to go on was the evidence in existence right now, there's not much, as you can say, that would pin down the cause of this to being one sort of cause or another. So for the authorities to say, well, if this is decided to be a deliberate action, we're going to blame the pilot because he's the most likely suspect. Well, that's sort of uh, not really, in my opinion. A responsible way of going about doing this, going about doing this, because there is no evidence one way or the other right now that it's an accident or design.
1: Sometimes uh, people say things because their lawyers tell them it's in their financial interest to say these things. Is it uh, letting the Malaysian government and Boeing off the hook by blaming the pilot? If 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 there could be some sort of objective analysis that comes up with the pilot is the done it in this who done it does that allow both the Malaysian government and Boeing to escape any kind of serious litigation
0: well uh, that's a legal uh, issue that's well beyond my area of expertise but I will say this Uh, historically no matter what the cause of uh, an event was uh, the manufacturer at least an American manufacturer is often dragged into court by one of our parties as far as uh, the Malaysian government well governments have uh, certain exemptions from being sued. But one thing that is clear, legal things aside, uh, there is a tradition in aviation that when there is an accident investigation, the responsible government, in this case Malaysia, is on the hook to do an investigation and share it uh, internationally. It's not a law, it's just a tradition. That is, if there's an accident, countries and manufacturers share what they learn and other people learn from that. If it turns out to be an act of terror or a criminal act then it's up to that country to do whatever investigation may be necessary and they're under no obligation historically or traditionally or otherwise to release any information to the public.
1: Do you have any direct or indirect knowledge of uh, the Boeing company doing anything to alter how it manufactures Boeing 777s since this mystery?
0: Well I can't speak to what's happened since the aircraft has gone missing several months ago But in general, uh, any aircraft that's in production, and of course the 777 has been in design since the early 1990s and and flying for almost 20 years, there's always going to be updates and changes, uh, either from the FAA or from other uh, aircraft authorities who would require safety and other improvements to the aircraft, and also technology changes. Uh, For example, when the aircraft first took off in the early 1990s, uh, the Internet, as we know it, simply didn't exist. So the kinds of electronic devices that are common today simply didn't exist almost 20 years ago. So there will be some changes in operations and procedures, even design of the aircraft, to accommodate uh, technological uh, evolutions like that.
1: Todd Curtis, do you know of anything that could be done to enhance airplanes around the world to take the mystery out of the mystery so that if and when this ever happens again, we do know what happened or at least we know where the plane went?
0: Well, there is uh, one hint as to what may happen uh, Inmarsat, the company that's been in the news because of their uh, satellite track capability has offered to all the manufacturers, excuse me, that operators around the world, a free upgrade that allows a regular updating of an aircraft's position. Now the kind of communication system that Neymar had on that aircraft is fairly common around the world. So here's something that wouldn't take any government action that could be implemented fairly quickly. That would make it much less likely that a plane could go totally missing.
1: Can I just ask you a question? Just you being a, a, a former pilot, Is there a skill set that today's pilots need that uh, maybe they didn't need when you were getting into the business? Because today's planes are, for the most part, computers with wings.
0: Well, there is a a very subtle skill set that one needs. That is, uh, the level of automation that exists now is much greater than it was 10, 15, or 20 years ago. And the number of functions that are done on the crew's behalf, without the crew's direct knowledge, is ever increasing. So what the pilots have to have is a more refined understanding of what the aircraft is doing at any particular time. And let's go back to another triple seven event, the crash in San Francisco. The yeah, an investigation is still ongoing. One of the issues that came up was what was the state of the automated flight systems of the aircraft during landing and what was the level of awareness that the flight crew had of what that aircraft state was. Uh, to to oversimplify things. They might have thought the aircraft was doing X when instead it was doing Y. And if they assumed it was doing X, they may have made decisions or taken actions that would have been perfectly appropriate for X but totally inappropriate for Y. That's the basic kind of subtle skill set that's really much more important now than it was 20 years ago.
1: Todd Curtis, are we going (laughs) to... I hate to be asking this question months later, but I, I still have to ask when we're going for an update, are we ever going to find this thing? I am fairly confident, in fact,
0: extremely confident that the aircraft will eventually be found. The only question is, under what time frame? Uh, will it be by the end of this calendar year, by the end of this decade, or by the end of the lifetime of everyone listening to this broadcast? At this point, it's hard for me to say which of those timelines make the most sense.
1: Now, because we've had uh, so many reports of, of where the plane likely ended up, do we do we at least right now have a high probability of knowledge, that is, you know, more than 90%, that we we know the range of where that plane is, or is it still up for grabs? Well, I think the set of values
0: uh, a set of facts that are fairly... Uh, certain at this point is what the capability of the aircraft was at the time it took off. That is, from all the evidence that's in, although it's rather scant evidence, it doesn't appear that the aircraft had any major uh, failures that would have limited its range. That is, given that you had the fingers coming back for seven hours, it's unlikely that there was a major fuel leak because obviously, if it were a fuel leak, the aircraft would not have uh, flown as long. And Similarly, uh, it, w- it doesn't seem that there's any major degradation of the aircraft's flight capabilities, again, it was in the air for several hours after they stopped reporting to authorities. So that part of the, of the aircraft's journey is fairly certain. Exactly what direction it took, again, the Inmarsad people and the other experts have been brought in on this have been working diligently to narrow down where that aircraft may be. And in fact, the uh, Australian authorities are set to announce a new search area. That's several hundred miles away from the primary search area of the past few weeks. And that new search area will be taking into account the kind of extra expertise that's been brought in on this situation in the last two, three months.
1: But that'll still be the Indian Ocean. Last question, Todd, and I'll let you always appreciate the access and the time that you afford our listeners. The last question is, is this the most interesting aviation story that you've ever looked at?
0: There are a lot of uh, interesting stories that are interesting for different reasons, but I will say this. From my personal experience, without question, not even have been close. This is the most intense sort of worldwide interest of an aircraft incident, with the exception of 9-11, that I've experienced. And certainly uh, because in part of the way social media and the Internet is interacting now, versus even as uh, recently as 2011, the level of involvement of the average person around the world is far higher than with any other kind of event I've been a part of. Uh, Obviously, the media is very much involved in it, but there are individuals, small groups, corporations, any number of players out there who are adding their own two cents to the conversation. Sometimes the two cents isn't worth much. Sometimes there are some very insightful things. But what there is is a community of very interested people around the world in many languages, in many countries, who are very interested in the outcome of this and will or remain interested for some time to come.
1: It is a series of powerful platforms, social media. I want to give you the best platform possible, uh, Todd Curtis. So what's the website where we can access the most amount of insights from Mr. Curtis?
0: Well, the airsafe.com website, airsaf is my main website. And if you go to uh, the part of the website, mh370.airsafe.com, that's my page where I've concentrated a lot of the uh, Flight 370 information that I've been uh, discussing over the last few months.
1: Have you got a Twitter handle?
0: Yes, AirSafe, A-I-R-S-A-F-E.
1: AirSafe. Stay safe, Todd. Uh, you too. Thank thanks you for having me. Thanks very much. Uh, Todd uh, Curtis, he's a, a veteran of Boeing and the United States Air Force.
0: For more information about Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, please visit mh370.airsafe.com.
1: Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.